0: Welcome to episode 332 of the Overlook Hour. I'm your host, Clark Little. Along with me, as always, is the man sitting in San Bruno, California. It's Russell John, the
1: fisherman. What up? <laughs> what, up? what up, dude man? What's what's the weather in San Bruno? What am I missing? It's nice. It's boring. Nothing to report. Did it rain this week? I heard it, it rain. It did. Yeah. How guys? It was raining man. <laughs> <laughs> also, we just talked about this. You went outside to record, and now your internet is acting up. Is it? Yeah. Well, just a little. Well, I think we're fine, but okay. Well, if it if it uh, gets any worse, I'll go back inside.
0: Uh, I am recording here from Sunny Phoenix, Arizona. I almost said Phoenix, California, <laughs> <laughs> where it's. Uh, I think it's going to get in the mid nineties today, but uh, it's nice here, and I've got a nice little covered patio. Because they appreciate my patronage at this hotel, uh, so they give me the nicest room on the seventh floor. Also, boys and girls, update—they decide they finally have food in the club lounge. So okay. I'm like, I'm living <laughs> like a human up here now. What? What the hell is the club lounge? Well, it's for very special people, such as myself. On the seventh floor, we have access to a secret room. Inside said secret room.
1: We get little treats at two different times of the day, like a mental <laughs> institution. It's like a daycare. They make you take a nap and eat a Danish precisely
0: yeah, so at yeah at breakfast they've got and it's 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 not great, but they'll have like oatmeal in a pot with some <laughs> fresh freshly cut fruit, uh some muffins they bought at a uh, i'm going to say a gas station down the street and uh there's a, there's a cappuccine machine. Oh. So I'll make myself a, an Americano. Hell yeah. Um, and then in the evening, they'll bring out that same pot. <laughs> and then some sort of sauce. So last night, uh, the treat in the club lounge was egg rolls with plum sauce. Oh. It, I feel like you'd be into that. I had, let's call it. 45% of an aggro. Oh, ew. It was all right. <laughs> then I'll have a veggie tray and then uh, hummus and ranch.
1: Oh, my God. Okay, I regret asking about the food in the clubhouse. You what win. I'm dude.
2: <laughs> clubhouse. Hummus so is dank, though.
1: I also keep
0: hummus in my refrigerator. Also joining us is Oksana <laughs> Valera of Osachi Oksana.
3: Hi. <laughs> Your energy level dropped when you hit that sunlight. I don't know what happened to you.
0: My energy level was, I told you all my energy level was low today. (laughs) Low tea, bro. So was my tea. Same. (laughs) (laughs) And from Atlanta, Georgia, it's Randy Michael Statt. Randy? That's me. What's up? What'd you do yesterday?
2: Uh, well, we recorded yesterday, but besides that... Spoiler I, uh, alert. Yeah. <laughs> I went shopping spoiler. before we recorded yesterday, which was fun.
0: Oh, what'd you pick up? The new Adele? No, I got the, I no uh,
2: this band called Wet Leg. I got their <laughs> new LP. Um, they're from the UK. Very just like fun, like post-punk.
0: Is that, is that like the saying that Judge Judy wrote a book about? Don't wet my leg and tell me it's raining?
2: sure yeah <laughs> what
0: the deep cut right there are you reading Judge Judy books yeah but see, what was the name of her
2: book don't pee on my leg and tell me it's raining I didn't know she had a book I'm gonna have to pick that up
0: yeah somebody looked that up i saw to look up what Judge Judy's
1: book was I think that's <laughs> what it's was she's got a couple yeah she's got a few books dude Let's see. any on tape She's got one called You're smarter than you look She's also got Don't pee on my leg And tell me it's raining There we go She's also got Win or lose I can't read the Who cares I'm not gonna read these
3: about beauty fades Dumb as forever Okay (laughs) I like Judge Judy
1: (laughs) She's performative Yeah I just I don't know if I'd want her If I were uh, Brought in shackles Into a courtroom And uh, The judge before me Who was gonna decide My fate was her I don't know if I'd feel great
0: Now wait a minute, Randy. Was yesterday Record Store Day?
2: I don't know. I haven't paid attention to when Record Store Day is for a couple years now because it's usually always just kind of crowded, and I don't know. It's not a fun time (laughs) to go record shopping for me. On the twenty third. Oh, it's next weekend. I do. It was always around
0: like mid-April, but I think COVID, like, you know, uh, sort of curbed that enthusiasm. Sure. and maybe uh, maybe we
2: got it's
0: it's less chaotic because yeah, man, it was it became a zoo the past like few years,
2: yeah, you got to get there like before stores open too, which you know I'm an early riser, but I don't know it's not my idea of a a good time
1: yeah, I'm with you, God, you all need uh some testosterone shots or something you're all so low energy <laughs> Today is the beautiful day of the Lord. it is Easter, he, he is, is risen day clarks in phoenix i'm looking for you to come out of the ashes brother you need to come out with a new you it's 22 2022 new you clark rising from the ashes in phoenix also that's a pledge to everybody listening to the show it's only getting better from here it's a new leaf
0: yesterday i went swimming for the first time in years and i think i'm just wrecked
1: (laughs) does swimming uh to use that verb, do you have to do more than just float in the pool? Because that's girl, what I imagine you doing. Girl, I did laps. Oh, shit. What was your um, mode of choice? we doing a breaststroke, Missionary. dog paddle. What's, what's, I don't know.
0: What's the one where you don't look like an asshole? Oh, that you could pull off? I don't know, dude. Easy. <laughs> what laps no, were you wearing in the pool? No, I did laps doing dog paddling okay what what, did you wear a watch
1: i'm a good swimmer do you have a waterproof watch for the pool
0: okay if 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 you have a nice watch all watches are waterproof dude
1: (laughs) oh shit now did you double down on that and take a dive however having said that i don't wear them in the water because i'm a gentleman all right. Well, I like to measure character on what people leave outside of the pool when they get in. I imagine you left a uh, pair of uh, Ray-Ban, a watch, which was overpriced, yet uh, you know, it screams that you're trying to present a higher cultural platitude than you actually have achieved in life, then um, probably no towels or anything, probably not a wallet, uh, a pack of cigarettes, uh, a lighter with a little fuel left, and am I missing anything? I mean, if this was last year, I think I would have said a vape, but I don't think okay. he had a vape. A threw, threw the vape away. Traded the vape for the cigs. <laughs> <yet> fully analog. <laughs> Fuck yeah! Uh, this was this was a good
0: guess. Um, I did not have the cigarettes down there. I did have the uh, Ray bands, I did not have a wallet. Um, and now the watch was this watch. So I mean, this is my sport watch, you know. So um, you would be correct had I worn my Swiss watch down there, but
1: I'm not going to do that because I <laughs> value my Swiss watch. Fuck yeah. This is why I fuck with you, dude. You got it going on.
3: How about one of those calculator watches?
1: I have thought about getting one of those. (laughs) Really? 100%. Um,
0: There's also a... They have... uh, Timex has a special edition Pac-Man calculator watch that I have almost gotten multiple times.
1: Do you get that in like a cereal box, or how do you get that one? Yeah. (laughs) Okay. Oh, my God. Don't look that up. Um, I don't know. Did you do anything in Arizona? What have, you, have you been going to the movies or like you're just chilling in the uh, clubhouse? I went to Target
0: when I got here. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> um, and that's about it. I uh, got drunk at a, Outback. Fuck yeah. yeah. And uh, bought some cigarettes. All right. Well, you know. Oh, went to the weed store. Ooh,
1: they have one out there. Yeah, uh, right across the street, maybe. Oh, I didn't realize Arizona was uh, legal. Mm Hmm. It it, does it have the same vibe as California, where it's like you can tell that like the federal government's all over them, so everything is perfectly clean. Well, I think
0: I think that you know the, the vibe the vibe of marijuana is pretty universal.
1: I don't know. The culture is like a blacklight poster with Bob Marley. But when you go into those shops, you don't see that. It almost looks like a high-end club. Well, I would say that's, that's,
0: that's, that's a general smoke shop.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Vibe, you know, um,
0: but, Oh, uh, so you uh, think it's, it's like dispensary. the cigar culture. Well, most dispensaries are laid out like jewelry stores. For sure. Yeah. yeah. And I don't necessarily like that.
2: And they close early a lot of times too. Yeah. yeah. They don't yeah. around. Yeah. I don't know. the,
0: I, we have become spoiled in our area because we get delivery marijuana. Yeah, which I think is the best way to go. <laughs> you well, click a button and then a nerd comes and gives you a little baggie.
1: Yeah, I know it's <laughs> fucking DoorDash is ruining our life. Um, so you know I'm not going to mention it later. Uh, but I I did this week. We went out to the Alamo. I got one of those dreaded phone calls that you two would ignore where we just got out of a meeting uh, for a five virtual uh, details pending. But um, I got a call at like nine 30 where somebody's like, dude, you go a weird Wednesday. Let's go. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, and you guys know that's like my Achilles tendon right there. And I was on the phone with Oksana. We're live uh, discussing whether we want to do this. And I'm like, I'm just laying it all out there. So we ended up going, I had never heard of the fucking movie Virtuosity. Do you two both know it? With Denzel? Yeah. And Russell Crowe. Where have you been, dude? I don't know. But I was like, wait, it's a cyberpunk movie with like Denzel and Russell Crowe? I'm like, oh, oh, we got to go.
0: Yeah, won Um, the Academy Award for most
1: bitching film of the night. (laughs) Now, here's now my problem and why I'm bringing it up now is uh dude, the Alamo, they've got a pretty good culture. There's like 40 to 50 people that will come out there to a fucking late night screening of, you know, apparently everybody and their mom knows about this fucking movie and has seen it. It's I mean, Denzel. I I get it. Um it's also campy as fuck, and for a cyberpunk movie, I thought it didn't have a lot of great ideas. But they do go to like. Neither
0: does your game
1: Cyberpunk. <laughs> hey, that's a very fair point. Um, they do go to a UFC event where the audience is like chanting, like they're a fucking Street Fighter crowd. I don't. There's a lot of weird shit in this movie. Was Rogan there in a the cameo appearance? I would, I, dude. I think it was. It was ninety five. So I think was, it might have been. Was print. cameo there as a cameo appearance? Oh my God, dude! uh it was a print too, and it so uh the homie that showed it was i i talked to him after and i'm like where the fuck did you keep it he's like well i had it you know in the in my garage and i'm like can you do that in the bay area like our climate is so terrible he's like hey that's a good point you really have to find a dry place to keep it it's almost like a fine wine or something we'll hop on down the arizona baby I, yeah right maybe we should do that we'll start buying films off ebay that's and we'll right about you
0: Arizona, great for 35s, terrible for your skin. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'd be yeah, afraid so, they'd catch on fire
0: in Arizona. Oh, my God.
3: Just rent a... You know,
0: a you know what's not money. catching on fire in Arizona? The economy. <laughs> <laughs> Creativity. Oh, my Reason God. Reason for existence.
1: Well... This is uh, a weird
0: place. I hate it. Well, stop donuts. going back
1: there. <laughs> Good donuts. Oh, hell
0: yeah. I've had a couple of good breakfast burritos, but not any good regular burritos. All right. I don't know. I don't know what's going on with the Mexican population down here, dude. They
1: just don't work hard down here. <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> what happened? Yeah. Why is that? You. Would I don't think, know. Like, like you I would have think had Texas a, would have better Mexican food than California, there's but no I, good taquerias yeah. down here, dude. Also, there's this weird like,
0: there's this weird chain, and I can't. I keep getting mixed messages. Uh, from the locals down here, whether they are all connected. But there are like five or six different fast food restaurants that end in Berto's. There's like, <laughs> yeah, there's like area bertos, Julio Berto's. Camel Toes.
1: Like, they're all <laughs> horrible. Wait, uh, you must have not have heard me. I said Camel Toes. <laughs> I did. And I powered through. <laughs> I mean, it's good. I, I feel a spinoff podcast coming on um all right well when we circle back to food i feel like it's time to start randy do you want to throw in anything what have you been doing nothing
2: not Mm -hmm. much no i yeah just the record shopping yesterday and this morning i uh went on a long walk got my ten thousand steps in and uh, had a coffee and listened to a podcast and now we're here
1: good for you that's a good
0: day
2: i went grocery shopping too that's about it i maybe
0: took 10 steps yesterday (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs> <laughs> and the noose was 15 so try again tomorrow we had a uh, dense fog warning here this morning what the fuck <laughs> Yeah,
0: you but, miss those uh, don't you
2: yeah I, that's funny because I walked outside after seeing the warning I was like eh it's not that foggy <laughs> compared to San Francisco Bay Area fog especially where Native
0: California you're speaking to over here yeah. dude
1: we get so much fog out here you can film it <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Think about that because fog always looks cool. You try and take a picture and you're like, where'd it go? (laughs) The camera just can't see it. Not out here. All right. Well, you know, even though neither of you are in California right now, we still brought out David Lynch. You ready to have him in? Yep. Hey, you know, I was thinking if we had like an active website, we could do a thing where we had like David Lynch bingo. We call it like Bingo Lynch or something. And we could do like coffee or like the weekend train and every week people could play along. And I thought, that sounds like no fun. Uh, <laughs>
0: yeah, hear me <laughs> out, hear me out,
1: hear me out. Or we could not do that. Yeah, exactly. So, I don't know. I, the thing is, I, I, I want to kind of pressure him to change it up a little bit. And I'm worried, even though it's Easter, he won't fucking mention it
0: oh yeah I, I don't know if he's gonna say anything about
1: easter dude i he ignores holidays and i don't know if he's just trying to be like neutral and chill with everybody i get it but i mean it's kind of like a cultural thing unless he combines easter
0: with you know peace and things like that
1: yeah easter and ukraine unless he yeah. can draw the two together <laughs> unless he dug up a picture of the easter bunny on the front line um i don't know what do you think he's gonna go political again I'm still going to say no. All right.
3: No, but he's not going to mention Easter. There's no way.
1: Okay, no Easter, uh, no political. Are we going to have coffee and cookies and shit, or are we playing with plaster? What are we doing?
0: I don't know. He may mention Laura Dern. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
2: Here's the thing. Why? He might not mention Easter, but there is that segment in Inland Empire where he has rabbits.
1: Oh, dude. that's yeah, true. Yeah, rabbits are important to him. He's yeah, sick so of the maybe. rabbits.
2: All right, Randy, you think he's going to
1: mention the bunny? I think he might. All right. Well, all right, let's bring him in. It's weird when we talk about him and he's just standing out there. All right. Good morning. It's April 17, 2022, and it's a Sunday.
0: Day two of weekend projects, and the fun work train is traveling. continuously. But it's very difficult to enjoy
1: oh, no. the fun oh. work when so many in the world are suffering. Oh God, dude.
0: <laughs> Let's hope very soon the fun work train can travel anywhere and find no suffering. And find only a world at peace.
1: What a boring train.
0: <laughs> Everyone, have a great day.
1: Travel to Easter Island. All right. <laughs> wow. Did he even mention coffee? No. No. No, he went right into the politics. How boring
0: is a peaceful train? <laughs> I'm in. What good train movie have you seen where everything was normal? <laughs> no. By well, way, I, that, that Brad Pitt Tokyo train movie looks awesome. What? Brad Pitt Tokyo? Yeah, is something. He's on a train, and he's an assassin. Does he play and Japanese in it? Does he play Japanese? <laughs> I, I wasn't going to say anything. <laughs> what, like, like a
3: Stratocaster? <laughs>
2: <laughs> Wait, it's uh, like, hold, hold on. ScarJo in uh, that... Anime that they did live action. Oh, also a ghost strat in the- a ghost
1: in the no, no 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 rewind. Stratocasters are not Japanese. You're thinking of Ibanez, bro.
0: No, but I'm just saying. No, you play play Japanese like you play a Stratocaster.
1: Unless oh, a Stratocaster I got gotcha. you. Stratocasters okay. are Japanese. Be, be very careful. I am a huge guitar fan. I is love is it japanese X. Yeah, is I thought it, it was Icelandic. All right, go ahead. Check it, Randy. The only goddamn time Randy does any production work is whenever I say anything, and he's like, "Oh, I don't know about that." I always thought it was Latin. Watch, now I'm going to be fucking wrong. No, it's it's Japanese. Okay, thank thank you. Ooh. yeah, I, I know think- everything, dude. I didn't even know Z was in the Japanese alphabet. <laughs> That's cool. That's why they call it kanji. Kan, uh, uh, fuck what it. idiot. Kanji. <laughs> Wait, something's happening. Oh, we have a news update, Clark. Breaking news. We have a news update because I don't have a stinger for male bag or female bag. We, we don't, uh, we don't yeah. gender the evil way. You have only, only had work. two years <laughs> <laughs> to procure a stinger. I mean, who
0: knew? For who knew a segment knew. we do I mean, once every six months.
1: Yeah. You know, on the Equinox, when it lines up with the lunar eclipse, we get uh, some mail um we actually got a couple this week uh ghost from the past longtime friend and uh he's been on the podcast before uh mr mickey from the three friends shot us an email oh he's a lot he has risen he's risen dude easter <laughs> dude all right he writes hey gang anyone who's listened to the show for a period of time will know that Clark said what Clark said is absolutely correct. Russell is a major contrarian, but in the case of night's end, he's right on the money. This movie rules. And I do not understand the negative response at all. It definitely descends into silliness occasionally, especially when the live stream climax, but read but reader does a good job making sure the goofier characters don't detract from the direness of the protagonist's situation. Ooh, Uh, I also appreciate that she took the opportunity presented by COVID to tell a story about something else. We all know what it feels like to be cooped up and isolated, even if we don't have the issues of agoraphobia and whatever else may be trapped, trapping our lead and content creation as a failed attempt at socialization hits harder than I might want to admit. But what I do know, I love the innkeepers. (laughs) (laughs) Miss you guys and was sad to miss uh, It was the same weekend as the three friends Alberto's uh, bachelor party But I look forward to next month's live stream Oksana keep it real Randy see you in the funny pages Your pal Mickey and again uh, for those Who aren't familiar with Alberto he's the one Who voiced
3: Rusty Nope not that one
1: nope (laughs) God where the fuck did it go (laughs) See this is the problem I'm now I'm the mailman I have to bring the mail in from outside and I'm trying to run the board. We need, uh, we need to do some budgetary stuff. Here well, we go. Here's we, Alberto. What, go ahead. We keep adding more people to the show. <laughs> yet-, yet they don't help. Correct. <laughs> okay. Here we go. Here's Alberto.
2: Fuck Randy.
1: There we go. That's what he's he's famous for. Well also, I mean, I feel like
0: why didn't Alberto have his bachelor party at our film festival? That's on Dude, we could have
1: facilitated that. It 100%. would have been great. I just think that that's sort of a bitch move on their part, so. <laughs> <laughs> also, Mickey, uh thanks for the email and uh, you know you know what it is, dude. Whenever um, you have a fan of film theory and a very highbrow, hyper-intelligent person like Jennifer Reeder, the plebs just don't get it, dude. And at the end of the movie, we are dealing with something that I think is a representation of someone who's completely immersed in online reality. And he's built a conspiracy, and everybody's in on it by the end of that film, except they're laughing at him. And I think, you know, the representation of terrible CGI really offers us, the audience, a chance to join the conspiracy. And we sit there and we laugh at the film. Um, I think it's a fantastic film. And clearly, you need an IQ of like 500 to enjoy The Innkeepers and Night's End. So, me, you, Mickey, uh, it's just me and you against the world. What about the wraparound in VHS 94? (laughs) Well, clearly she was drunk that day and didn't understand found footage. It's okay. We all make mistakes. Again, it's Easter. You're in Phoenix. It's Rebirth. That's our theme today. He has risen. Okay. (laughs) Anyway, love you, Mickey. And uh, we got another email. This one from uh, the buddy Tony from the Blob Show. He writes, high praise for the ultra-niche hombres de lo desert. I hope the segment survives to the gunfighter and 40 guns. Now, I think I slaughtered that. Uh, let me check in with our correspondent. Ombre
3: dans le desert.
1: Yeah, I fucked that up. The full <laughs> Walsh car accident story. Now, he's referring to uh, Raul Walsh, the director of the last film I talked about. Uh, what the hell was the name of it? Pursued. And how he lost his eye. And the book I was reading failed to even address it. Uh, again, it was like what in that 1920s, he got into a car accident. Um, Tony writes the full Walsh car accident story is that he was filming in old Arizona in old Arizona. And while driving through the desert at night, scared a jackrabbit with his headlights, causing it to leap through the windshield and take his right eye. Now I'm not sure if Tony's fucking with us there, but I really (laughs) hope that's real. I'd, (laughs) I'd buy that for a dollar. Dude, Clark, be careful, man. If you're in an Uber, dude, make sure they're not scaring jackrabbits out there. Uh, He continues, Walsh Walsh also famously stole John Barrymore's corpse and propped it up in Errol Flynn's living room as a practical joke. If Russell's enjoying his book for a tour theory, I can't recommend more. uh, Peter Bogdanovich's interview book, Who the Devil Made It. Uh, Great work as usual. Love you guys. Tony from the blob show in Arizona. P.S. Randy reviewed Thirst Street in episode 92, saying of it, not a great name. Uh, We found this review to be true in episode 238, to be true 238 episodes later that I was listening to 92 this week is uh, otherworldly coincidence. um, Thirst Street is that fucking flight attendant movie I couldn't remember the name of, where she falls in love with somebody on the road. Do you guys know what I'm talking about? A hundred percent. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. It's called fucking Thirst Street. And thank you, Tony, for pointing that out. I put it on a list. I plan on watching it. Uh, Although now I do remember Randy was like, meh.
3: It's good. (laughs) But you know what? You
1: bastard. You just had to say the complete opposite.
3: The lead in it is also in the Midnight Swim.
1: Yes. why Lindsay (laughs) (laughs) Burge.
3: She looks familiar. I looked her
1: up. I I can't help it. Whenever the producers team up, I can't I feel like I'm in a corner. I'm like, all right, fine. That's
3: just a fun fact.
1: I know. And I do want to watch it. I'm that name is fucking terrible. There. Now we can talk about how terrible that name is three times. Um yeah, again, if you want to write an email, oh it's overlookhour at gmail.com.
3: Yay. Yes,
1: it feels wrong. We're cutting out two words. It's half of the yeah. fucking title of the show.
3: Unnecessary words,
1: the and podcast. There, <laughs> there we yes. go. All right. Well, um, uh, as I continued to hijack this show, uh, what do we have next? My my computer just crashed. <clears throat> oh yeah, uh, we have a segment now. You know, as I'm building fans for this Western Noir thing it's a struggle, right? It's like, what am I going to do next? So uh, flip a coin and we'll find out.
0: That's ABR,
1: report. (laughs) I'm sorry. I wanted to warn you, but then I I thought it would be funny if I didn't. And the visual gag that happened when Clark (laughs) (laughs) leaped at his microphone to jump in there, it was good for three people who could see you. (laughs) So it really paid off. Um, This week, it's going to be short. The TBR is back, but not really. Last we heard from Thomas Burke, he went to Barbados to find some footage. I haven't heard from him. He hasn't written an email for this week, which is really weird, too. But I did get a text with a link. It was a YouTube link to a film called God Forsaken from 2020. Um, I believe, what was it on? uh, Kings of Reality? Is that the channel that we watch it on? Kings of Horror. Kings of Horror. They do... uh, Kings of Leon Kings of Leon Kings of horror. They're weird. They're like a distribution company that is literally just a channel on YouTube and they'll premiere full movies. And I think like, I don't know. I haven't talked to anybody from that, from that company, if you can call it that, but it feels we could do that bullshit. Yeah. It feels kind of like a grift too. like it almost, it's like, you know, people are making independent horror films all the time. And if they can't get distribution, they come to Kings of Horror to put it out on YouTube because they have an audience. And I get that could kind of work, but it, I don't know, man. It feels like they're kind of taking advantage of them. Anyway, Godforsaken from 2020 is there if you want to find it. This film is fucking uh, bonkers, for lack of a better phrase. Uh, we open up with the dude. He's driving in a car and he goes, all right haven't been here in a while. Let's go. He gets out. It's a church. And of course I planned this because it was Easter and, uh, he gets out in the churches and people, I, it's hard to read the mood. It feels a little somber, but there's a lot of people. It kind of looks like a wedding or something. I don't know. We get in there. Um, people are, uh, mourning. There's a casket and it's open, beautiful, large church. And, um, I'm going to go ahead and, uh, you know, I'll just give you the beginning of this movie. The the casket tips over, and people start screaming, and they start coffin p- flop, dude, <laughs> coffin <and> flop, dude. <laughs> Although she wasn't naked, and she didn't fall through it. Un- unfortunate, real oversight by the direction. Um, people start running out of the church. It's manic. Uh, I believe at the time the camera was outside again. Mm-hmm. We move back in through people. Who- and here's the thing. They're shooting in like a very wide open area and people are running out in big groups. Like there's a lot of extras here and they're panicking, but they panic like they, you know, the director had said, Hey, run out and panic. So they start doing that, whatever you would imagine that is. And then they just kind of keep doing it because they're still on camera. We got like a wide shot and the people can't escape the frame. So they just are kind of out there on an empty street going, Oh, like in circles. It's really weird. And then we move in. Still a lot of people in the church, which is impressive because these movies, you usually don't have this much uh, support from people you're clearly not paying. Anyway, the casket has fallen and that's it. Uh, her arm's sticking out of it. And it's like, whoa, people are panicking like this. I mean, I'm sure worst has happened. And, uh, you know, the panic is uh, <laughs> rewarded by the girl standing up. At this point, uh, people just start fucking losing their shit uh it's i ah oh man i you know i have a lot of notes here because there's a lot of crazy things that happen in this movie but if if this sounds like something you're into and you got a couple friends and like a 12 pack you want to drink dude invite them over it's on youtube it's free and it's a lot of fun i'll um I'll tell you that the the girl gets up and she walks around and people are screaming. They're running. Pews are getting tipped over. She goes out front and her mom's there and her mom is crying with her dad. Uh, the dad, not as comfortable in acting as the mom clearly. And her mom runs up and grabs her and goes, Oh my God, you're back. And like, she's the only one here who's happy. They lock eyes and they're holding each other for a minute. And then she goes, you're not my daughter and starts strangling her in the doorway. <laughs> This is one of the best things I've seen in a while, and the rest of the movie does not disappoint. And um, just if you're an indie horror fan and you're like, I don't know, I've, I've heard about this kind of shit before. Just know that it feels like the whole town was in on this movie. There's a lot of locations. We're going into a lot of homes. We go up and down the street. We're filming fucking everywhere. It almost feels like a cult made a film about some religious shit. Is this an American film? I don't...
3: Is it? I really... It looks like it might have been filmed in Canada.
0: Yeah, it looks otherworldly. How can you tell the difference? There's assholes on
1: horses with hats?
3: <laughs> no, I thought I saw Ontario.
1: Okay, I would have went with, uh, like, Erie, Indiana, one of my favorite shows growing up. It felt like Anywhere America, which is anywhere but America, because it's always Canada. <laughs> anywhere USA. Exactly it's north of our border so yeah uh, again uh, all i got was a cold text from uh thomas's phone i don't even know if he sent it to me so honestly on the way to barbados he may have landed in this town and they saw an opportunity to really have a better platform than uh terror films and they're like we're gonna get it on the overlook so maybe i'm playing into the cult right now i don't know but uh, again godforsaken from 2020 if you just google godforsaken there are 84 different films that will pop up
3: it's the one that's directed by ali akbar akbar kamal
1: i forgot uh my favorite mom calamari directed this movie (laughs) (laughs) general ali akbar who he's made a ton of horror movies right Mm -hmm. maybe we should get him on the show yeah we're looking at his imdb right now but yeah um thomas if you're hearing this dude i i hope you're well um we've really been looking forward to this barbados footage you were talking about but if you're dead uh it's easter hopefully you'll rise from the ashes like clark and phoenix <laughs> wearing a crown of thorns covered in blood and uh hopefully you got it on uh on tape with an easter basket with an easter basket this
0: concludes the
2: disclaimer This concludes the TBR report.
1: Wow. It's kind of haunting hearing his voice after we like memorialize him. (laughs) You said very little about that film. Yeah.
3: You know, it feels a lot like the unholy.
1: It's just a, that's unfortunate. Here's the thing. better, Um, I think we watched it. As like a Friday night, like, hey, we're going to hang out and watch something like, let's do the TBR report, we can do work and have fun. And uh, it was a lot of fun. And I took a bunch of notes, but like, my notes are like, um, when I was talking about like, they filmed everywhere in that town. Dude, they go into a movie theater, and it's like a it's it's weird. It's it's almost like it's a tourist town where the movie theater looks beautiful, but it looks retro. They're screening Night of the Living Dead, which is a little on the nose if you know where that movie's going. But I'm like, I don't know. I think it, it's more fun if people just discover it. Also, uh, I my notes consist of like dog shit, crowd cheering, a ghost eats a cat. <laughs> And it's like I just think if you, if you walk into that movie and you're like, oh, she ate that cat, it's more exciting than me telling you. We see a ghost eat a cat? Well, she's locked in a <laughs> basement, and she's not really a ghost. She's more like a saint. And people are like, no, no, we got to believe her. She's a prophet. And then uh, they're like, she's hungry. And a dude brings a pet cat in there. Yeah. And then, dude, honestly, we got to start doing Terrell commentaries. We were watching it with him, and he was all about this bitch until she ate that cat. And then he was just like, oh, hell, did she hate that fucking cat? I ain't fucking with her. Get out of there. Like, I mean, he was right in the end. Spoiler. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. I'm done hogging the show. And we all know that's not true.
0: All right, Randy Michael.
1: Yes, sir. Kick her off. All Can right. you fucking energize? Put a Duracell on your butt or something. What are you talking about? This is, this is my new <laughs> energy. Dude, I hate it. I need you. Dude, I look forward to hanging out, especially when you leave the fucking state. And I'm getting like a flatline Clark right now. Because Clark is flatlining. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, I heard you jumped in a pool. That is not flatline activity. That's living life, soaking up that's the true. sun, rising from the ashes.
2: Well, that's why I'm dead. Okay. <laughs> Randy. So, yeah, to, uh, to bring the mood up, I've got a movie that is over 40 years old that I saw this uh, <laughs> past week. Uh, yeah, so recently I saw that the Plaza Theater out here was playing a 4K restoration of Out of the Blue, which is directed by Dennis Hopper. Uh, I was not able to go to the screening, but uh, I was able to rent the Blu-ray from Videodrome. Shout out again. And, uh, yeah, this is a movie that he made about 10 years after the last movie. Um, so I think it came out in like 1980 originally. And, uh, yeah, I think it's like had a pretty good reputation and I think it's just now like sort of getting, uh, I don't know, a little more popularity. i had never seen it before, but, uh, it's really good. It feels a lot like it belongs sort of like in the world of Easy Rider. It does not. Feel like the last movie. It's a lot better than the last movie. Um, the tagline for this is a, har- a harrowing drama from the director of Easy Rider. Uh, <laughs> it features uh, a young Linda manns as the main character. Uh, she is uh, a teenager who kind of Dennis Hopper is her uh, ex-convict father, and uh, her mother Kathy is uh, essentially addicted to drugs. So she is a very young teenager kind of like rebellious and she kind of like gets uh into the punk rock scene i think this was shot in vancouver so you kind of uh you know there's a lot of as the tagline says there's a lot of kind of harrowing scenes with her kind of like getting into bad situations or kind of just like her bad living scenario with her mother who's a a drug addict but there's also some (laughs) no not really
0: it's unfortunate
2: But, uh, yeah, there's also some, uh, really good scenes. Um, as I mentioned, she is very into punk rock music and she's also very into Elvis Presley, uh, at the same time. Um, so there's a really uh, good scene where this band called the pointed sticks, uh, from Vancouver is playing. And, uh, yeah, she, she goes to that show and kind of, um, the drummer like invites her like up on stage and, like gets to play a little bit of a song, uh, in the set. And, uh, you know, it kind of just reminded me of, not that I had a, you know, hard childhood at all. Um, pretty, pretty easy childhood, but, um, the community in the punk rock scene, uh, I think really comes out in this movie and, uh, it kind of seemed like it was a, you know, a good place for her to be, um, kind of, you know, to escape from the shit she was dealing with at home. So, um, it definitely has a very punk rock feel. It definitely, you know, feels a little like easy rider. It's kind of, it's kind of tough. It kind of has like a neo realistic feel to it a little bit too. But, um, I'm not sure who put out the 4k or the new restoration on blu-ray, but, um, it's out there and it's available and it's, uh, it's really good. If you haven't seen it,
1: dude, I am a hundred percent in just flipping through IMDb. Like their, their shots of it, it looks fucking beautiful, dude.
2: Yeah, that uh, shot with her and Dennis Hopper in the car, it's like a beautiful looking shot. Um, yeah, yeah, it looks great. Restoration. You,
1: you know what we don't get enough of is like edgy filmmaking. I mean, story writing and like, just storytelling. Yeah. But like with people who know the craft and man, you can make a powerful movie if you know how to like frame a shot or like mm-hmm. direct somebody. Also, that I don't know where you read that tagline from. But the poster on IMDB, the tagline is, "She's 15. the only adult she admires is Johnny Rotten." Um I'm, dude, I'm, I'm in. <laughs> also it's got a quote above it that says, "This film is a masterpiece, Jack Nicholson.":
2: Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, there is, a, there is some special features um, on the Blu-ray, and there is just like an audio clip of Jack Nicholson saying, like, "Hey, I don't you know have to do this like I'm not involved with the project, but I think this movie is really special. Like you should check it out. It's directed by Dennis Hopper as Lena Mann's blah, blah, blah. So, um, that's probably where that quote came from, but yeah, dude, I mean it looking through the stills. I'm fucking into this. Yeah. What's it's up, awesome. Bro? I think you would
0: love it. Speaking of Jack Nicholson, um, have you guys seen this phenomenon that happened, uh, last month on Twitter involving Jack Nicholson? Oh no. Yeah. No. Um, there is an account on twitter.com. Um, called at Poopie's Coffee. Um it's uh Poopie's on the Strip. It says we all hung out in a coffee shop called Poopie's up on the Strip because that is what Jack Nicholson said in an interview. <laughs> and every hour of every day if you follow this account, the same notification will be tweeted out where it's just video of Jack Nicholson saying this.
3: Oh, coffee shop called poopies up on the strip we all hung out in the coffee
0: shop called poopies up on the strip <laughs> do you hear that yeah
1: yeah what the f- why, why? <laughs> the strip. oh dude you need to get out of that apartment that you're <laughs> you're trapped dude you're on twitter finding weird shit man i'm worried about you sean patrick o'brien also follows that account <laughs> <laughs> Well, Sean from uh, Seltzercast, he's got it going on. They played his, sh- he got called onto Canadian radio to talk. We've never been called onto Canadian radio. Yeah, but we've
0: talked uh, to people on six of the world's seven continents. So come at me, O'Brien. <laughs> we've been banned by five continents. So, and also, Oksana's Arx- only job now is to find a guest that we can talk to on Antarctica.
1: <laughs> uh, she has no comment, apparently. <laughs> Well, she's not working hard enough. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, Rand, Randy, I'm completely into it. I'm totally good. Did you, you rented it? Yeah, I rented it. I, uh, did you like it enough to go buy it now?
2: I may, yeah. I it's also apparently, it. according to uh, Letterboxd, it's one of Mike Keegan's favorite films. Oh, dude. Mike gets it. Who? Michael <laughs> Michael Key
0: he's dead to this show <laughs>
2: <laughs> sold out. <laughs> so besides a 40 plus year old movie uh, that I watched, I also watched a movie that you probably can't see yet. Oh, wow. By, oh, uh, ho, ho. So doing a, doing a, a service to this uh, podcast right now. Uh, I watched the Gaspar Noe film Lux Eterna.
1: What the fuck?
2: Uh, so this played at Cannes in 2019, I believe. And I don't think, I think it, just got picked up for a release, but um, yeah, you know, if you're out there uh, on the internet and uh, you know, have ways to find things, it's definitely available.
1: Oh, whoa. oh, Randy, boy. you're doing God's work on Easter Sunday, dude. You're oh. leaking big movies. I love it. Randy the sleuth. <laughs>
2: <laughs> it's, a, it's a short feature. It's like 51 minutes, um, but it features uh, Charlotte gainsburg and Beatrice Dow, and they essentially, it's kind of like a uh, faux doc, sort of. Um, so the movie starts off in split screen um, of the conversation that Charlotte and Beatrice are having. Uh, Beatrice is the director of this thing that they are shooting. And Charlotte Gainsberg is going to be in it. Um, and it's essentially like a scene of a bunch of witches being burned at the stake. And So, they're kind of talking about, you know, the scene and sort of about filmmaking and stuff in general. Um, and then, yeah, after, you know, the conversation's pretty long uh, that they have. And then essentially you get to the like sound stage that they're on where they're actually shooting this thing. And um, I'd say like maybe 50% of this or more is in split screen. And uh, it's kind of hard to watch sometimes because there will be a conversation going on on one side in English and another one that's going on in French with subtitles at the same time. So it's kind of like hard to pay attention to at times, but, um, uh, during the shoot of the scene, there's like this really like awesome looking kind of like neon um, rear projection of like the background of like these, witches being burned at the stake. But, um, couple minutes in the like the lighting tech goes wrong and essentially everything just starts strobing in like this neon reds and greens and blues. And then uh, they're just trying to like kind of figure out what's going on um, with it. And then you just get this very long, like 15 minute Gaspar Noe scene of just constant strobing, (laughs) uh, cutting back and forth to like, you know, different split screens. And then it goes to like, uh, just one screen. Um, it's cool. it's really cool. Um, the strobing did kind of get to me. I don't have seizures from strobing, but uh, it it had a, had a wild effect for sure. Um, it's really cool. Um, I don't know exactly like when it's going to come out or where it's going to come out, but I believe I did see that it's going to be picked up, but I don't know it's very stylish it's very cool to watch. um I don't know if there's you know a ton like story-wise or plot-wise here, but I don't know. I, had, I enjoyed it quite a bit. Plot's overrated. Yeah. <laughs> dude, I'm,
1: you're two for two today, man.
2: What's the name of that movie? Uh, Lux Aeterna, I think.
1: Okay. I think I, think I found it. Is it's it corny? Cool. Uh, no. <laughs> well, then it's not a Gaspar Noe, dude. <laughs> dude i am completely into it also i love your new segment randy called kick the can where you uh pirate movie from can and then talk about it <laughs> hell yeah yeah uh, uh, what, what about shit
0: can <laughs> <laughs> randy I, I had the file
2: can. for this uh film for a little while and i haven't watched it so i uh i watched it this weekend because i also know that uh his new movie vortex is coming out soon which sounds to be a very restrained movie uh, when it comes to Gaspar Noe. Boo. Also kind of sounds like the uh, movie Amor, which I never saw. Oh, but I the, two I always- old,
0: the two old people that can't fuck no more.
2: Yeah. Something like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Well, you know what I always say? Give me a more. Gaspar you Noe. Know uh,
2: <laughs> do you know who's in Vortex, though? Uh, no. It's your boy who I'm forgetting who's in it right now. It's Dario Argento. (laughs) Oh, really? Yeah. He plays one of the main. He plays a corpse. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Propped up by Raul Walsh. So yeah, look out for Lux Eterna and or Vortex coming soon.
1: (laughs) (laughs) To a computer near you. I'm totally going to steal that. And when the FBI comes, I'll be like, dude, Randy, Randy told me to <laughs> have really? I watched a Gaspar Noe film. Oh, climax. I think that's the only one. Really? Yeah. I really? think so. You, you never saw irreversible. Nah. I don't not, Dude, You know, I love women. So you I never re- saw go. into the void. I don't want to see some fucking white man's representation of what torment is raping women all over the place. Fuck Gaspar Noe is in your wheelhouse, baby. I know. And I... I get that all the time. I told you whenever shit is like lined up perfectly for me, I avoid it. Cause you know yeah. what I'm going to do? I'm going to split hairs and people are going to be like, Ooh, you're a fucking idiot. I'll be well, like, is, is, right. that, is that contrarian nature? No, nah, it's rebirthday. It's Easter Sunday, baby. <laughs> I'm coming back. You know what? I'm watching Gaspar Noe tonight. Hell yeah.
2: Also Abby Lee from old and the neon demon, isn't it?
1: Oh dude. Love a neon demon. All right. Ready? You got anything else? That's it. All right.
0: It had gotten to be Friday, (laughs) and we were originally going to record on Saturday, and I had not seen anything, so I did a little binge on Friday night. I re-upped my subscription to Netflix.com because Prime Video just wasn't hacking it. I don't know, man. I haven't watched a Feature on Prime in quite some time. I'm there with you. Their original programming just is not doing it for me. I never did that. I don't know what's going on. Although I did start a new show that they've got on there with Josh Brolin where he plays some sort of space cowboy. I don't know what's (laughs) happening. Um, I watched the first two episodes and I don't like it. (laughs) We got Emojin Poots is in there. Hell yeah. I don't know. This, This show's dumb. We won't talk about that. What we will talk about is the three painfully mediocre films that I watched (laughs) through the Netflix streaming application. The first I watched was a documentary about Bitcoin, baby. Fuck yeah. If I were to say the name Jerry Cotton... Would that ring any bells for you two? No, sir. Bitcoin fruits.
1: I do know Miss Jerry Cotton Candy. Jerry with an eye. <sighs> Oxon, I'm going to need you to <laughs> pull him in.
3: Who the hell is that?
1: You don't know Jerry Cotton Candy? Is that a porn star? No, she was trying out for the Spice Girls and they liked her name, so they got a different Jerry, but they fired her. <laughs> She found her way in China, though, making fentanyl in giant vats. She's now in Mexico, and she traffics them. She's also coming out with a noir western. Stay tuned. So,
0: (laughs) a group of investors turned sleuths as they try to unlock the suspicious death of cryptocurrency multimillionaire Jerry Cotton and the missing $250 million they believe he stole from them.
1: This is the douchiest thing I've ever (laughs) heard in my life. Was it money and Bitcoin? They're looking for... So, (laughs) So Jerry Cotton had a
0: platform where one could sell and acquire Bitcoin. And, you know, he took a little piece off of that and had a a pretty nice little business going on there. I can't remember the name of it because it's all Internet bullshit. And I don't (laughs) it's not words that people use. So whatever it is, look it up. Just type in Jerry Cotton with a G. Oh, there you go. Um, Well, what happened is that Mr. Cotton died mysteriously at 30 years old in India. Now, the cause of death listed was Crohn's disease. So that does not happen very often. Crohn's disease, um, you know, is, is a gastrointestinal um, situation, um, and it really does not lead to many deaths. Um, so the fact that you know one was to pass away uh, from Crohn's disease in a foreign land like India, a lot of flags were raised. Well, what happened is that no one had the passwords to access the accounts um to all of this information once Jerry passed away, and then the money went away, so apparently with Bitcoin, you've got I believe they call it warm wallets and cold wallets <laughs> and basically uh the cold wallets were all emptied out. oh, and people were like that that's mysterious that shouldn't
1: happen that shouldn't be able to happen
0: yeah so he stole so someone took 250 million dollars from people's accounts so the way that the uh, story is set up again traditional talking head um thing that they're dealing mostly with the people whose money was taken uh we also get gerald's sister-in-law who is the sister to gerald's wife now People who knew Jerry did not know he had a wife, and so his wife is also um, a, on the list on the short list of people that may have done um, you know the shenanigans, and then also one of the co-founders of the website, also a very um, colorful guy with a sketchy past, and so now this this ninety minute documentary turns into like a pack of dogs on a bird hunt they're just like going over here oh that's not it we're going over here and we're going over here nope that's not it it's exhausting there's no answers it's an interesting story but there's no reason for it even to be 90 minutes because we learn nothing nothing happens they want to say he's dead. They were like, he's not dead. He faked his death. Then a journalist goes to India and, and a cab driver says, oh, no, that was him. And then they're like, damn, <laughs> he is dead. But then, at, but then at finally, at the end of the movie, they're like, but we haven't seen the body. Credits. Fuck yeah. I'm like, what the
1: fuck? Y'all didn't think about digging up the goddamn body in the first place? <laughs> well, you know what happened to him. What? He got set up by that journalist and he donned the ghost face mask. You've never heard of Jerry Cotton Weary? God, you were just... (laughs) (laughs) I am reborn. What what is the opposite of on fire? (laughs) I believe it's called a cold wallet. (laughs) We'll give you that. So, also
0: god it's just i will say you know anytime i try to watch some sort of cryptocurrency documentary like hbo had a thing i could it was like crypto bros i couldn't the last five ass. minutes in that thing there's no crypto bros per se on this these are um these are sad lonely individuals um, yeah. that lost all their money
2: <laughs> it was um, winding his buddies people <laughs>
0: One of which was a very nice Asian guy in San Francisco who transferred $400,000 and then it all got, it was his life savings and it all got um, taken up in that because it never transferred. And so he lost all his money. And, but they also, they bring in a guy who uh, prefers to be anonymous and they all start, you know, being their own detectives in this scenario through a Reddit thread. So it's this, you know, gang of community of, you know, these crypto idiots uh, trying to figure out what's going on, and one guy is sort of the leader of the pack, and he prefers to remain anonymous and so his voice is modulated in the film, and he is wearing this pixelated wolf head <laughs> that just look he looks like he should be headlining Coachella to Fuck be honest. Yeah. um he also has a very strong Australian accent,
1: so i I'm partly thinking is that part of the modulation wow dude i he went from uh laughable to terrifying that australian accent it it made me scared (laughs) i'm not joking
0: yeah uh, look this is a interesting story but you know uh, there's no answers and so it's just the whole film just kind of seemed Pointless to me. You could have done this a sixty minute, twenty minute uh little thing and wrapped it up and yeah, not great.
1: It's about the journey, not the destination, dude. All right.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Randy nodded. I know none of you would agree, (laughs) but it sounds boring.
0: A man breaks into a tech billionaire's empty vacation home. Oh, my God. But man. things go sideways when the arrogant mogul and his wife arrive for a last-minute getaway. This is Charlie McDowell's Windfall. Also available on your Netflix application. Here's the thing about Windfall. Now, Randy, Michael, you've also seen this motion picture?
2: been a couple of weeks, but yeah.
0: Um it's it is the definition of meh. Here's the thing. Small cast. F- four people. We've got four people in this film. One centralized location, although it's a pretty big, you know, villa that we're dealing yeah. with here. Um so, you know, I think outside we we may have multiple locations, but it is the illusion is that we are all at one location here and we are I would say eighty five percent of the time we're inside the house. I like that. I like a, I like limited storytelling. You know, high concept. Give it to me. Also, the uh, the uh, what's what's the word I want to say? Not tone, but they're going for a sort of noir like aesthetic with this when you say randy
2: kind of hitchcocky yeah, yes like even very the mo- uh, score sounds kind of like bernard herman a little bit the score and the title sequence yeah and
0: just again just you know how they bring up the graphics because yeah. again you know you get the entire credits at the beginning of the film and we have like a static shot of a house in the background and you know if you were to see this in black and white you would think it's a hitchcock you know you would think it's a thriller from the 40s um and i i i i like that I do like that, and I like that you know that kind of sends a cue to the viewer that we're going that we're occupying a a different plane here, and I think when we introduce you know that familiarity um with like forties types of thrillers, I think that that can kind of you know. Set off some some interest in in many viewers' heads, but it always takes me out when we do that. But then you know it's filth mouth. You know what I mean? (laughs) That's the thing. It always takes me out every single time, and it's the same thing with like Netflix comedies, like Space Force, for example. Space Force is it's a shitty version of Parks and Rec or a shitty version of The Office, but with f bombs. And it just seems wrong. I get it, it. It just seems forced. And I don't like it. And so when we try to, you know, cue up a film like this and, you know, we're, we're dropping F-bombs, it just seems foreign and odd because, you know, we, we didn't curse in the 40s. So I, I don't know. That's just a weird me thing, I think.
1: But- I don't know. I think that's the comedian in you. I think a lot of swearing kind of uh, is indicative of not that great of writing. It's a crutch. Yeah, it's a crutch. Exactly. And let me tell you something. I'm fucking Tiny Tim. <laughs> hey, also, you know, again, my favorite thing to do is to scroll through IMDb while you're talking about the film. Uh, you completely nailed it. The way that everything is shot in this movie, it's got that kind of like Polanski, uh, Hitchcock vibe where it feels like every character is paranoid. Like, I haven't heard one moment of audio in this, but I can tell they don't have a great relationship going on here.
0: The acting is great. J- yeah. Jason Segel is a very interesting actor and I, I frankly think he's a very interesting person. Um I I don't know. I think he'd be exhausting if I knew him in real life, but um I just think he is a he was a good choice in this because he's a giant, but he has very he has a very strong sort of um Jason siegel has got some feminine energy. I, I don't think that that's a bad thing to say. I think I have a lot of feminine energy in a certain aspect. Um, <laughs> you got to find the balance, baby. But, you know, I think that, you know, his his persona and his physicality are on different planes here. Um, so he breaks into this house oh and he's God. just he's just chilling in the house. And then they show up at the house, and he's not expecting them to be at the house. So as he is almost out the door, the wife sees him, and then we got a hostage situation. And it gets to the point where Jesse Plemons plays uh, the husband, who is a very wealthy um, tech mogul. And again, of course, you know, we, we get into the scenario of like, oh, you're a bad man because of what you do and how you make money and yada, yada, yada. And you, you tear down businesses and then he's got his defense and so on and so forth. So, of course, we got to, you know, um, engage in that tango of um, moral aptitudes. But, um, you know, I, again, it, it
1: just it, 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 it's, it's not too terribly interesting. Um, <laughs> wait, really? You don't like having, uh, conversations about tech destroying small companies and long stretches of films that are probably otherwise very good. And then you get to sit there and learn a lot and live your life differently. Having heard these great and eloquent, uh, discussions. Just, just watch rope instead. Dude- <laughs> oh yeah, Dude, I'm so tired of that conversation. Like, I mean, dude, we live in the Bay area and I'm sick of people bitching about tech people. It's like they're there. They suck. I mean, they kind of reap what they sow in that department. I don't see any of these fools having great relationships or, you know, they're smiling. They're doing yoga and stuff, but it's fucking hollow, baby. And also, I don't trust off-camera kills. Oh, no. You never do. You're a horror fan. You know better. I know. And that, and we had that here. No, and, don't uh, spoil. Don't take these waters yet. I can't yet. trust it. Also, warning to anybody who likes uh, flipping through IMDb. There's 72 photos for windfall around uh, 50. We started getting into territory where I'm like, okay, I need to stop looking at these. <laughs> I feel like I've watched part of the movie. Yeah. Don't I, I see you flipping through it. Clark. Don't <laughs> yeah, but I mean, you know, it's, it's fine. No, yeah. I don't know. I didn't need to know it. And you're right. Dude, the title, the font, the framing, it all is very like, what was that terrible movie? from that guy whose name I can never remember. He directed a uh, Desperado. He lives in Austin. Robert Rodriguez. Yeah, didn't he do some like uh, Four Nights at the El Diablo or something and it's like that hotel movie uh, where four it was rooms? no.
0: No, there, not Four Rooms. No, no, no. It's it, I don't think Robert Rodriguez had anything to do with that
1: movie. <laughs> it felt like it.
0: It was it was Drew Goddard the oh. director of Cabin in the Woods. Oh. Did, oh.
1: El, El Royale. What, there is dude. That was the Cabin in the Woods guy. Yeah. Yep. Also, he, I that movie stinks. That's what I'm I, saying. No, I love yeah. Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, dude, uh, there's a steel book that just is coming out on Tuesday. I know this because of Blu-ray Tuesday. Y'all should watch that. It's fucking beautiful. It's got a little spoiler on it, but it's Cabin in the Woods. I want that thing so bad. The El Royale, though, I would think a dude like him who plays with like genre tropes would do something good, but aesthetically I'm getting similar vibes where that El Royale is like, Hey, a bunch of interesting characters are going to show up here and we're going to be with them in one building and it's going to get fucking crazy. And like, I'm getting that vibe from windfall, but I don't know. I imagine a lot longer takes better acting, more interesting storytelling in windfall.
2: Yeah. For. A yeah. <laughs> I didn't so care what, for where it went. Really? What happened? Was it just contrived? Yeah. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's just tired.
1: Mm.
2: Beautiful location, though. <laughs> I think it was shot in Ojai, California.
1: No, I looked it up. It's Phoenix, Arizona, the birthplace <laughs> of renewal. Yesterday,
0: <laughs> we talked to our guest, who you will hear on Thursday, the great Gerald Varga, and in that conversation, we kickstart our talk with Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, as Gerald uh, later in the interview says that uh, the Texas Chainsaw Massacre is his Star Wars mm-hmm. as uh, it's one of his favorite horror franchises of all time. And uh, we talked to him uh, a good bit about the newest iteration of the franchise, but um, we also talk about just kind of is eh, softly ranking um, our choices um, and, again, all of this Texas Chainsaw talk uh, kind of got me a little inspired to catch up on an installation of the franchise, which I have not seen. And this is supposedly one Russell Fisher's favorites. Yeah. Maybe his favorite is the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation from 1994. Now... Uh, Russ, before I get into it, before I give my thoughts on this, just kind of explain. You know, uh, again, this is a strange franchise, right? Yeah. It, it's it's there's really no central Leatherface changes from movie to movie, <laughs> essentially. Yeah. Right, especially in this one, um, and I'll I'll get into this a little bit more, um, but. Very strange franchise that is just all over the place. And again, it's I love it as well. But honestly, from film to film, you really don't know what you're going to get.
1: And well, It's kind of akin to um, fucking... Uh, damn it, I had it. No, I lost it. There's like two different types. Like with Nightmare on Elm Street or Friday the 13th, they always tried to stay in the lane, even though you had different writers and directors who clearly weren't that interested in keeping the lore tight. But with Texas Chainsaw, you're kind of in between those well-put-together franchises and like Halloween, where in Halloween, it felt like it was constantly being pulled different directions. It was shut down, restart, reinvented. And then if you want to watch a weird franchise, go into Hellraiser, because you have the character doesn't change until way later on. But every story after like three, completely different. They're almost like it's almost like a TV show. Where they're episodic. Are all the Hellraisers horny as the first one? No, they kind of like go in and out. I will I will say uh Texas Chainsaw Next Generation is a big part of why I love it is nostalgia. Again, I when we talked to Gerald, I, I mentioned how it's kind of the first time I heard the Illuminati appear as like a uh, character motivation. But also, it's a great example of horror films and how they have early great talent, like Renee Zellweger and Matthew McConaughey. Yeah. But if I'm being completely honest, uh, again, it was in the black box era. I was able to watch this movie on pay-per-view channels over and over and over. And I would always try and time it when we would get uh, a character inappropriately flashing kids who are throwing shit at her house. I still don't understand how that's a punishment. I feel like if I was a little kid throwing rocks at somebody, and then they would just uh, flash me every time I did it, I would come back. So, yeah, my my rating may be a little tainted, but I do love this film.
0: I was... Matthew McConaughey goes... Full McConaughey. I'm so excited to hear you run through this. You know, um, and this is this is 94 Matthew 94. McConaughey. So yep. was this before his big break in A Time to Kill? A Time to Kill is what? Yeah, 96. So this is 94 McConaughey. Here's what we'd known about M- Matthew McConaughey. Dazed and confused. And that's it. Yeah. So this is really, he was also played guy number two in my boyfriend's bag. <laughs> uh, but, you know, nat- a memorable cho- character in Days to Confuse. Then we've got Texas Chainsaw Massacre, The Next Generation. Um, also, this same year, Angels in the Outfield, we saw him. Hell and yeah. then a couple years later, then, you know, he starts to kick things off with the time to kill and then contact and Amistad, and he's on his way. So. The thing is, I and I think that's great because at that time he had not been typecast because he's just looking to get cast at this point. And McConaughey has always been McConaughey. And I think that, you know, to get a little bit of this early point in his career to where he is completely unhinged, um, he is just going with it. He has a mechanical leg that he operates with three different TV remotes. <laughs> it's the dumbest shit I've ever seen in my life. Hell yeah. Um the Illuminati thing is also strange because they like he he shows up in a tow truck, um, kills some teenagers and then on the side of his truck it just says Illuminati. <laughs> <laughs> and then they don't talk about it until the third act. Yep.
1: And then they're like, what? But see, now, like, looking back, it's weird. At the time, like, when you're kind of, like, flirting with conspiracy theories, it's like, wait, what the fuck? Illuminati. And then when they don't talk about it, it almost reinforces it. Like, oh, shit, they snuck it in there. Russell, this movie is a mess. Oh, yeah, I know. (laughs) It's great, though. Dude, it's also got one of the living, like, you know how people are always like, oh, slashers teleport and dude go back to friday the 13th he doesn't fucking teleport until number six which is the one i fucking hate but it almost felt like somebody was making that movie in a mean way like they didn't want to make it anyway there's too much comedy in that one i know all of you fucking love that movie too whatever um in this film there's literally one of my favorite moments which used to drive me crazy when i first watched it where we have a chase scene between a girl running through the woods and a truck and if she turns left or right she becomes surrounded by trees and completely safe from the truck. Yet she chooses to run down the straight path. It is aggravating, and I, I've come, uh, dude. I think about that every now and then. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it's, <laughs> dude. It's the road, dude. She's literally running straight. It's like go, make any kind of turn, and you're safe. But you know, um, here's the thing with
0: Leatherface in this one, um. I think throughout the franchise we we do get different versions of Leatherface. There's always a sense the constant theme of what we have with Leatherfa- Leatherface is that he is for lack of a better term underdeveloped.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: Do you know what I mean where he he basically is just a giant attack dog. Yeah. But but I think that we have different levels of um fear associated with Leatherface. And in this particular iteration of Leatherface, he is not terrifying at all. No. Um the mask um is my least favorite Leatherface mask. I, I think it's the it's the least um it's the least interesting mask because there there are no sort of you know sewn marks together. it is just a straight white mask that he is wearing makeup and he's wearing uh, dresses uh, mm-hmm. throughout the film so um, you know he is more effeminate here um, but it's not in a terribly interesting way it's just a different version of Leatherface where McConaughey's the bad guy and Leatherface is just his, you know, pit bull yeah. running around doing the heavy work because he has a mechanical leg um, and he's hitting a woman for 45
1: minutes of this movie. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it's interesting because a movie like this, which is kind of an island in the ocean of uh, this franchise, it can still have an effect. Like it can change the the thing in ways, and when I watched this when I was little, I always it confused me because I'm like, oh, is Leatherface always like a dude who is kind of going through something where he wants to dress up like a girl, and you know, I, it kind of changed the way I looked at other uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacres too, where it almost felt like they knew something about the creation of the character that isn't articulated in others. And I think this is one of the things that a lot of horror fans get caught up on now in our modern era where they look at this as being like transphobic. And I'm like, I don't think the message here is that the dude is insane. So he wants, he's confused about his gender. I think it's the idea that, you know, slashers are men who are like run amok and he's kind of playing out his sexual fantasies in a, uh, like in a weird reality. That's like, I guess he's being gaslit by fucking Matthew McConaughey in yeah. his remote control chair. But I don't know. I, th- I think movies like this can be a lot more interesting. But I'm curious if people have, like, panned this one or been like, oh, don't watch it. Because, honestly, my favorite thing about this is the original poster where the chainsaw is like a lipstick. Yeah. And I'm like, dude, what beautiful art. Well, like, that opens, it. Up, yeah, it opens up the film and it ties together. But... <sighs> I mean, we're talking about masculinity and femininity. That's the balance right there. A fucking lipstick chainsaw. That's perfect. <laughs> really, should should I not? Should I not talk about? Oh, you wait, hold on. Are you worried about spoiling this movie? I, again, I don't know. I, again, you guys, you <laughs> guys have different God- rules for different things. Of all the goddamn things you're worried about, no, I, I would say go for it. One of the lamest
0: deaths I've ever seen in a movie. Where McConaughey, I guess, dies from a helicopter that flies too close to him. <laughs> also, uh, the way
1: it was it was dude, awful. Dude, Clark, I got to tell you, there's a horror director. He's pretty famous. Uh, there's a tragedy on set with the helicopter. <laughs> oh, so, really, we shouldn't be talking about that. This was not a Vic Morrow situation. <laughs> you got <laughs> to learn how to edit yourself, dude.
0: Um... <laughs> Yeah, I, 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 yeah. two, two is still by far my favorite of the sequels.
1: Oh, weird. I forgot you like two. Who two? doesn't like two? Dude, one of my favorite scenes in um, cinema history is the bridge where they're playing like Oingo Boingo. Come on. Dude, it's fucking incredible. And it's one of those great examples of like stretching time where like, you know, they always talk about Spielberg and Indiana Jones doing it. But in that movie, that bridge
2: is endless. You're just on it forever, Randy. Have you ever seen part two? I've seen two. I've seen one, two, and the newest one. That's right. And, and you never love saw it. the Jessica Biel. <laughs> no, Did the one a, that just came out. I like that
1: one. I like the 2003. I I love it when people champion like the weird early 2000 era film. Like I love um My Bloody Valentine, the 3D one. That was Dude. Also good. Non ironic dude, that movie fucking rules. So whenever you bring up the Jessica Beale, I don't know, I get happy. Also, I will say though, um
0: absolutely one of the the best things the best things about this, Renee Zellweger is great. Oh yeah, she's good. She's real I mean, truly it may be the best thing I've ever seen her in. <laughs> um, before we get in this Brid- Bridget Jones bullshit. Um, she's great. And honestly, you know, um you could have carried her further in the franchise because she, she was a great survivor girl and uh did a really,
1: really, really good job. Well, dude, fucking I don't know. One of my favorite things about horror movies is, you know, finding new talent, like Kevin Bacon or like John Depp. You know what I mean? They all like or, come uh, out of here. Uh Jennifer Aniston. Yeah. Weird. That's a thing that um you know Kevin when Sawa. We- <laughs> <laughs> of course was- dude what's he been up to since he got ripped and was fucking around with our boy he was he's in, in a newish hunter. movie with uh, bruce willis Yeah, i didn't love hunter hunter though Hunter Hunter. 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 <laughs> dude okay so what are you gonna give this star rating wise i have to know i need to pinpoint where you're at i feel like you might go a three three ah, the dreaded three i get it three. though i will say though you know look
0: see this in a theater the crowd maybe bumped up to three and a half yeah it's you know that's the unfair nature of the world uh seeing movies in a theater can certainly help um but two by far is more entertaining from from my end of things
3: well two Um,
0: is fucking the 80s one man well two two is my favorite i mean maybe just from the scene where um dennis hopper is trying to buy a Mm change
1: i mean The two little chainsaws (laughs) is one of the you know but i mean here's the thing when i watch horror films i want that like we already know the beats we know the tropes like how do we evolve them and when dennis hopper buys a giant chainsaw where the dude selling it to him is trying to talk him out of it and then he buys two little ones and carries them like guns dude that is peak like horror filmmaking i love dude I'm on a Dennis Hopper kick. We should go back to back with that. When you come back, we'll go Texas Chainsaw two. And then that blue movie Randy was talking about. What, what the hell's the name of it? Out, Out of the blue. blue. Yeah. Out of the blue and Texas Chainsaw two. All right. Now
0: uh, I'm going to hand over the, uh, the film talk to Russell, John, the fisherman, but I do think that we have all seen this film. Is that correct? Randy
2: uh yeah i fell asleep during the last like 10 <laughs> minutes but yeah other than that i've seen it
1: well randy it's funny you only had two options here yes doing you had good seen too. it or no you hadn't seen it true you have to pick one or you die uh yes i've seen it all right then uh somebody starts bleeding out their eyeball or something i can a good tweet about
2: it oh you did i like said tweet it was a good tweet oh my
1: god Why are you all on Twitter? I can't. I can't. Because we all hung out at a coffee shop called Poopies up on the strip. (laughs) I feel like Twitter is like a bad neighborhood and I'm driving down the road and it's like I got to go through here. But if I look left or right, I'm going to get pulled into some argument or something and I don't need the politics. Again, uh, if you've been following uh, me and my life, I have been doing a great job of filtering out politics. And honestly, I feel so much better. Like, fuck it. I don't care. Fucking nuke the world.
3: You know what's weird about that poopy's account?
1: (laughs) Okay, go ahead.
3: How drastically different the views are on each video.
1: Yeah. He tweets it out like once an hour.
3: One of them has over 1,300 views. Why?
1: And then the next one has like five?
3: No, they're always over 100, I think.
0: That's weirder to me. Yeah, because I just keep it on there and I keep the counts rolling.
1: I'll get the poopy views. We all anyway. out on the coffee shop called poopies up on the strip. Um, anyway, when we were hanging out on Friday and uh, we were trying to figure out what that weird text from uh, Thomas's phone was, uh, Terrell came over and we watched it together. And he was telling me he couldn't stop ranting about this movie he loved called Choose or Die on Netflix. Oh, boy. And I was like, you know what? I need to like, I mean, I want to watch new shit. And I had no idea what it was. I knew I hated the title. And then uh, we pulled it up one night and jumped into it. And I'll just uh, cut to the chase right here. Man, I really enjoyed it. And yesterday we were going to record this portion of the show, the Tuesday show. And uh, Clark had, he sniffed it out that I had watched it. And he went, oh no. (laughs) So I'm guessing you didn't enjoy it. I need to preface the
0: conversation with the following the room that i am occupying here at the, actually i don't want to okay myself <laughs> what room number is that at this at this hotel um, great room they give me the best room however the tv in here is terrible <laughs> uh the tv is very very dark oh. and sometimes um it and it will Proceed to get darker, but if you turn the volume up, then the illumination in the TV spikes up. It's very strange. Huh. it's on its last legs um and it's tough and also it's it's tough to watch horror films um with a low lit with a lowly lit television. yeah, and um there were there were parts of this where I'm like I don't know what I'm looking at here, so that played a part in it. I I got you. Did it play a big enough part to where it would change my viewpoint on the film? Probably not. I just, here's the thing. I think this is a beautiful idea. I am in love with the idea of this. Also, I mean, I think it's a home run to name a game like this called cursor. Yeah. Great. Yeah. I, I, Here's why I'm frustrated with the film is because I think that it could have got, it could have been so much better than, than what was brought to the table for me. It just, I, I, you know, I need some sort of comedic element. I didn't feel like that was there. Um, I feel like you, you waste a talent like Eddie Marzin, Um and I don't really understand why that was tied together um,
1: when he, at the end, where he was. Okay, talking. hold on, hold on. Let me let me go uh, through this a little bit, and then jump in here as I as I yeah. hit things. So with IMDb. Uh, the synopsis we got is after firing up a lost 80 survival horror game, which I think this is me now. I think that's a bad description already. A young coder unleashes a hidden curse that tears reality apart, forcing her to make a terrifying decision and face deadly consequences. Um, this is kind of like a found footage video game movie in concept, not in execution, um. We've taken the idea of like, oh, mom and dad have a VHS tape and I popped it in and I didn't want to see that. Where this game's kind of like, I don't know, it's like a dude, it's almost like a mud. It's like an old, like floppy disk kind of game. And, uh, you know, people will know more about this when we get more into UF5, the digital, uh, the online one. But man, I thought there was a missed opportunity to play around with the medium here. Like, I really, I wanted to see somebody load up a floppy disk with this on it. I was actually kind of confused. Okay, you know, let me go back more. Um, we're doing a little bit of a Candisha thing here, where we have a uh, young uh, female protagonist who is on the poverty line. Now, she's definitely below it. And it's, she's a well-to-do, trying to take care of her mom. And she's struggling. Also, she's got, <laughs> she knows coding. I, I wanted to, like, reach through the screen and be like, hey, can you teach me? Because I don't know how you taught yourself. <laughs> like, clearly, you've, they've done a great job here of showing that there are rats running amok in your apartment. But somehow you have cool equipment in your room. And uh, you've, you're you uh, very, um I don't know, maybe she was taking advantage of her not boyfriend. And he had taught her. But my main complaint with this film is... <sighs> The social messaging, I think I think they're trying to tackle a little bit of um, coming to grips with 80s horror films. Like, you know how in Texas Chainsaw, I mean, that's a 94 film, but kind of like them dealing with a crossdresser. And now looking back, we're like, is this okay? Like, I used to like that movie, but I don't know if I can watch it. We're doing a lot of that in this film, or not really. It's the subtext. But... The casting of her bully, like landlord, rep- what was that guy? Drug dealer, dude. He was like a drug dealer, but he was also like the maintenance man.
0: Wait, I don't yeah, know. He he wasn't the landlord, but uh, yeah, he was just uh he
1: was the candy man, dude. Dude, I didn't buy him for a fucking second. Oh yeah, I was like, you're not intimidating. I feel like if you were in a real project, you would have been run out like within a week. People would have saw through your shit, and you would have been gone. Also who stores syringes like that okay you're jumping ahead a little bit i'm just saying but i'm just like you know the the, i love this movie i really really liked it and there are little things like that like i'm going to be splitting hairs here but as far as the video game i really enjoyed the interface um I love the idea of the reoccurring thing. Like I love when horror films put the rules out there for you. Like when they talk about, Hey, we're going to play with the Ouija board. Here are the rules. And then they, you know, you do that narratively so that you can break them and that the audience can be on your side. And they do a really good job of setting up what this thing is and kind of right off the bat showing that we're going to be breaking, you know, rules of reality and anything can go. And we're doing a little bit of like a um, Final Destination thing here where, you know, the questions are, do you want to take a break? And you're like, "Uh, yeah, because that sounds like a good thing, I guess. And then, you know, there's a twist to it where it's kind of monkey paw, maybe more than Final Destination. And I loved watching it play out. I also loved how um, Robert England is a part of this film, yet he's not a part of this film. And I think whenever you ha- get a name like that, like I bring this up all the fucking time, when you attach a fucking Tony Todd, that's a warning sign. If he's on the cover and he's looking cool, then uh, and I'm talking to you now, Tubi. Tubi had a movie called a uh, Hell. What is it called? Hell Blazer or something? And uh, Tony Todd's on the cover. You start up that movie. It's a Tubi original, by the way. Uh, he's in it for less than five minutes. And, you, but, and then you can only be mad at yourself. You're like, if Tony Todd was a get, and he's the one that brought me in here, then I need to reevaluate my life. Well, he's got um, a mortgage. Well, I, and I get it, but he got paid. I'm d- like, If you're showing up to see Tony Todd now, it's not going to pay off. And with this one, they, they mention Robert England, but they don't put him on a pedestal. He's not on the cover of this movie. And honestly, it added a lot of authenticity to the story. I thought it was fucking cool that they got, like, the voice of Freddy Krueger to, like, you know, promote this shitty game that you never heard of. And, it, you know, he, it's not like he appears on screen and he's the old man warning you, going, you don't play this game. They, the they Harbinger? Do- yeah, and he's, like, shackled to a wall somewhere, and he's like, oh, I've been held here prisoner for 40 years and then dies or something. No, I thought there was a lot of great storytelling. My problem's a little bit with the third act. So uh you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna do something we never do on the show. My problem um, is the movie opening. Well oh, hold on. We're uh, pulling punches early. Hey, we love you. I wanna spoil this movie though. I, I just I don't want to have any filters while talking about it. So if you haven't seen it, go watch it uh, and come back. Uh there. There's that's enough time. So let's let's go ahead. Take the kid gloves off, Clark. The beginning of the movie, we're cutting corners.
0: Because think about the first action scene that happens here you got Eddie Marsden who I love great British actor we're talking about him and his family yes him and his family and he is a collector as we learn and his son and his wife clearly hate him (laughs) (laughs) as they are talking shit about him he's like he's stuck in the 80s he's stuck in the 80s also the end where he's like fuck the 80s that was great oh my god (laughs) Um, but so, uh, in the game, the game prompts you, uh, it gives you choices, uh, heads up. The choices aren't good either. No, way. they're never good. And it says choose or die. And in this particular case, I think it says, um, her ears are his tongue. Yeah. And yeah. then he chooses his tongue. And then is- hold on. He
3: didn't choose anything.
0: Okay. Well, something chose his okay. tongue because then we cut to, he goes to the kitchen and the wife... Has cut the sun's tongue. I'm like, wait, we can't see the tongue. We can't see the tongue getting cut. Oh, okay.
1: Uh, well, there's a little bit it of set, it. Of mine. Set, it
0: sets me. See, it set a bad tone for me. I am like, oh,
1: is this what we're doing? Everything's off screen now. Hold on. Well, let me push back on that because when we go to the uh, third act, the beginning of the third act, we get a beautiful shot. Uh, also, I want to mention it's in-world camera. When we pop in that VHS tape and uh, the guy who's like chewing up the scenery in this moment takes a knife and he stabs himself in the forearm. Do you remember that? Sure. That was that was the complete opposite of what you're talking about, where we get a lot of on camera gore. It's brightly lit. And I thought it looked like great CG. It was CG, but I mean, it was on a uh, VHS tape, and we're talking about occult symbols that are used to program a video game. I feel like uh, the immersion here was waning anyway. (laughs) (laughs)
2: Let
1: me talk about one of my favorite parts of this. The second uh, iteration of the game, where uh, we hear a phone call from our protagonist's apartment as her mom's calling her and we get a like game boy layout of like her mom trapped in a room and a giant rat going through her apartment yeah dude i loved it it's like talk about like i mean i don't think they were navigating limitations here because they clearly had money in this movie but just it's the jaws did they They definitely had some sort of budget. Yeah. But I think they burned it in certain areas. (laughs) That that might be.
0: Yeah. The diner scene was good.
1: Yep. Well, they rented Um, out that vacant apartment or that, uh, you know, corporate building floor. Yeah. But like this moment, it's, you know, everybody talks about Spielberg and how Jaws only worked because they had to cut so much of that fucking shark. And then, you know, they always talk about, oh, less is more, less is more. In this, you kind of got your cake and could eat it too, because we got to watch the action play out with the audio. And dude, it enhanced it so much for me. Like, you get to follow along visually, but you have to like paint the picture in your head. Like, Mm -hmm. I love how they never even showed the rat. And I should mention, when Terrell, the thing that sold me on this movie, was he flipped out because i was watching meme videos which uh clark also fucking hates when i do and uh one of them had a fake rat that somebody had tied a string to in the bottom of a pizza box so when people came up to open it it looked like a rat was jumping out at him and uh terrell who's deathly afraid of rodents got very angry and was like no no fuck this i already seen enough rats today and I was like, what do you mean? What are you talking about? And he's like, in that fucking movie, they already put me through that rat shit. I'm tired of this. There's crazy ass rats in the apartment. And I'm like, whoa, okay. I got to watch that. And then me and Oxana were sitting there. We watched that beautiful chase scene happen in 8-bit form. And I was like, was this the rat thing he was talking about? You know, there and
3: was uh, three seconds of a rat walking down the hall before it. And I which was like, maybe it was that.
1: That's how you do fucking Chekhov. You put a little rat there. It looks like B-roll. And then when you get it, you're like, oh, they were already laying the groundwork. I don't, dude, there's a lot of really smart filmmaking in here. Randy, what did you think of that, Randy, that kill?
2: That was probably my favorite part. I like the video game stuff, like how the software looked, but I really didn't care for any of the character development. Oh. The main character, her stuff just felt like poverty porn. Like, oh, there's a crack <laughs> oh, pipe that was just, yeah. like, there's rats in the building. Dude, and, thank like, you. Yeah yeah like uh i don't know i didn't i, I love the movie hugo asa butterfield or whatever he's he's not great in this they gave him uh, nothing to do yeah I, I i literally felt like i liked the video game sequences when there was kills and stuff happening and then everything in between felt completely like it just went in one ear and out the other i, I like don't remember anything else dude it's funny because um, you know how I always talk about like, I can't
1: pull an actor and I don't ever remember their names. Yeah. The fact that you both named people like, dude, if I had known, who was the guy you talked about originally Clark, Eddie Marzen, Yeah. I don't know him. He's and, uh, he well, was in the feedback. Okay. Yeah. But I just, I don't, it, it doesn't like sink in. And I wonder if maybe I've evolved in such a way to enhance horror films because if it opened up and I knew he, like I that's an actor then I wouldn't have been shocked when he came back at the end and I was, but when you want that face is not recognizable to you. No, I had no idea who he was. I thought he was a nobody. You have face blindness. I do. There's something going on. (laughs) And like, who's, who's Isaiah? Uh, Who,
2: who did you mention Randy? Asa Asa Butterfield. Butterfield. Asa, who's that? He's in Hugo. Martin Scorsese's Hugo, which is a good kids movie.
1: Okay, you were wrong too. I hope people was, heard, was, heard. Wasn't
2: you. he also in uh Ender's Game? He was in Ender's Game, which I never saw.
1: Yeah, yeah. those are big movies. So when you get somebody like that, it instant like you know, I think that's why we get like a Matthew McConaughey in Texas Chainsaw and then when they come back, it's a completely different thing. Because you're trying to get unidentified or you know, just regular people. Uh, man, I don't know. Maybe I experienced this movie in a very different way then. Um but, Randy, you're totally right. Poverty porn. Have you, did you make that up?
2: No, I've heard it before. People use it to describe a lot of like foreign art house movies that are just like they relish in like the misery and stuff of like poor people sometimes.
1: Well, it's also like when you're a director who's accomplished and then you do that like novelist thing where you're like, oh, I'm going to go live in the ghetto for a year. Yeah. And it's like, what the fuck? Sean Penn? kind of yeah honestly yeah but um no you're totally right because you know i mentioned kandisha off top and i was thinking more aesthetically but honestly in kandisha you have families that are working like they like they're not they don't have any money but they're they still like love each other and in this movie you don't get any of that like even her her buddy it's Mm -hmm. like where are his parents how old are they like did any of you ever wonder like like what age were our protagonists in this film no
2: clue yeah teenagers? Yes. late teenage
1: yeah i don't know also um clark i feel you on the dialogue like the fucking that's our song and she's like what you think you showed me run dmc now is that just because we're old probably like do you think children are like oh what's run dmc like i mean i guess they'd have to I, have no idea. I don't know but again the thing that um the, the real hair that i want to split is i at the end of the movie. Here, let me, let me do it this way. What did you think about the fight scene at the end? I don't have any problems with it. What do you think they were articulating there? Uh, I think it was a pro-suicide film. <laughs> <laughs> I did notice um, when we turned it on the second time that uh, there was a warning that said self-harm. That was like the first one. And I hadn't gotten far enough into the film to understand Why?
0: Well, if I'm honest, I I thought it was a pretty inventive way to uh, end that scenario. I don't know if I'd seen that before.
1: Well, okay. So maybe maybe, I was too in my head here, but what I saw was two horror characters going toe to toe over who can be like the saint, the patron saint of this cursed like ROM. And the thing that struck me was the guy going, Why can't I be the hero anymore? And I'm like, all oh, right, <laughs> or are we doing some white guilt bullshit? Yeah. But I, I honestly, I think he was supposed to represent the '80s, and it's kind of like all the movies from my era. You know, they featured me, and just like Texas Chainsaw earlier, it's like, well, you know, we have our new protagonist, and she's like, it's it ain't like that anymore. Except the combat they engaged in was self harm. So I'm like, are they making a commentary over like who is king victim here? Because they're both kind of coming from different areas where they're like, I'm more oppressed, or like, I'm the victim. And he's like, You know, you've reappropriated my genre. Or, or t- time has passed me by, and I just want to say
0: that I'm still here.
1: Yeah. And sort of thing. if you want to like break those characters down, like, if you want to, if you are the type of person that looks at humans by like uh, gender, skin tone, um, like all these things, right? Like, our new protagonist is. Uh, the kind we like now in the modern area. Like she's a female POC and she's young. And that's where I got tripped up. It kind of bummed me out that no matter where we are in time, we hate old people. And I'm like, dude, it's like, he's an old white dude. And I'm like, okay, the white guy thing, whatever. Like we're living through that. It kind of like, let me just speak frankly, because I never hear anybody say that. It kind of sucks when you're a white dude and you're like, (sighs) all right, I guess I'm the villain again here, even though in no world would I ever sympathize with that dude, not because of how he looks or his gender, but just because he clearly fucking sucked. He had a terrible, uh, like as a representation of the nuclear family, it clearly wasn't working for him. Yeah. And as a dude who's a materialist, because I love metal and horror him being a collector, I'm air quoting. Now I was like, I feel like, uh, this is a personal shot at me. Yeah, but dude, he's got like 10 minutes of screen time. I know. And that's the other thing is he's just, he's like a straw man. They've just created this argument to knock him down. It's just vapid. There's, there was nothing there. Um, You know, if we want to explore that idea of like the eighties don't have to be that anymore. I don't know if we came to a good conclusion because at the end they both kill themselves. Yeah. And I'm like, okay, are we doing a little commentary on like discourse online? But, yeah, I don't know. What happened to Randy? I don't know. We're still recording. Okay, well, let's just keep it going, hopefully. Yeah, I don't know. I, I hate it whenever I fall into a uh, mind trap like that, though. Because I'm like, is it constructive to like think like this? And, you know, for film theory, I guess. But, ultimately, I did really like this film. And it's because it felt like a fucking goosebumps show to me. Like, it was campy and goofy, and it looked really pretty. I love the green tone to everything visually. I love the way the video game looked. But at the end of the day, it felt kind of like a TV show. Yeah. Yeah.
0: It just uh, not not a whole lot of uh, steak. Just a little little sizzle. (laughs) Honestly. Not enough sizzle.
1: If I'm being completely honest, I think Randy heard it for me by calling it fucking poverty porn. I think you nailed (laughs) it i really do you fucking heard it for me because you're right it's it's so interested in kind of making this uh point that it's offensive without noticing
2: i mean you wanted that element in your movie but you took the shortcut to get there
1: and it's like, it's like Terry Gilliam poverty. Like the walls like uh, the paint is peeling. There's a fucking crack pipe in the foreground. Yeah. Rats are running yeah. amok. Like when she's being harassed by a literal s- giant rat straight out of fucking um, Princess Bride. No neighbors come to check on her. There's Be- a sink of syringes where the needles are <laughs> pointed up. <laughs> well, again, so the only reason I want to push back on that with you is because the game made it happen. Like, right? Isn't the game like all these
3: That's what I figured. I don't think he actually stored them that way. I,
1: the, all the Easter Island heads that have been changed into occult symbols and put into this video game use their black magic power to point all of the all of the building syringes straight up into that sink. All I'm saying is that
0: if there's gonna be syringe death then billy needs to be there on a tricycle i'm
1: 100 percent with you i was like (laughs) saw two did it better exactly but but here's the thing my problem with that kill was when when the the ultimate evil old white guy was behind the game he gave you an out he was like early um saw where the idea was you need to learn to uh, like live life and like respect it where when our new protagonist our uh, young female POCs behind the wheel, you're just dead. There was no way out of that. That guy just died. And um, there's the ultimate last scene where we meet the tech guru who uh, people still can't find his body in the documentary Clark watch. <laughs> yeah. uh, he's like, dude, that whole conversation was weird because she had such this like fervor of, like, when I'm running this game, only the people that deserve to die are gonna die. And I'm like, oh, you're the exact same problem as the other dude. 100%. <laughs> I'm like, nothing changed. You no learned thing. nothing and now you are a villain, although you have like social clout backing you up. Isn't
3: but it do worse?
1: Yeah, it's worse. Cause yeah. like
3: he, he just copied the game and released it. She's like, no, I'm gonna target people.
1: Yeah. He, yeah. She's like, I'm gonna cancel the evil people. <laughs> Watch out, Clark! They're coming for the comedians, dude.
0: No hundred uh, percent. I mean, yeah. Like, how do you think the fourteen-year-olds that watch this are going to process
1: the end of that movie? Honestly, I think I was looking way too into it, but I, I you know, I kind of this this movie captured my imagination, so I couldn't help it. But I don't know. Like, I, for a minute, I was thinking a lot about what it meant that she saved her friend over her brother.
0: No, but I, again, I think that the the packaging of this thing is that it is she is the hero and yeah, yeah. People, people are going to come out of this being optimistic, but based off everything that you just said, it was also how I felt in the movie. It's not.
1: Yeah. She's not the hero. No, but, but check this out too. So if, if you're going to operate from um, a place to trauma with her, right, which gives her her heroic ability, her choosing her friend over her brother gives you an insight because clearly she's over her trauma. She's worked it out and she realized this is just a ghost and it won't bring him back. Where I think if you're an actual like corrupted soul or like you're really caught up in this terrible thing, you kind of, I feel like I would have wrote that character to go for her brother and like, fuck my friend who's real and helping me. I can't get past this moment, but she is past it. Also, she chose to drown herself, which was kind of this weird martyrdom, which is the way that her brother died. So, there's a mixed message going on in here. Why you, Oxana's giving me that look. I well,
3: think you're thinking about it more than like.
1: I, no, because, <laughs> no, okay, why would you try and pull some Beetlejuice looking avant garde statue all the way to the edge of the pool and then dump it on yourself? That is such a like laborious way to kill yourself in that situation. They had to be making a message out of that. Her brother drowned.
3: You know, yeah, no, yeah, I know. I think that was intentional, but I think the, the rationale.
1: I don't here's the thing on this show we talk to a lot of directors but I'm always yeah. like are we fucking up should we be talking to the writers because I bet who who wrote this movie Um, I bet if we it's got like in three guys. it's like 48 people on Netflix I believe but, Paul Schrader <laughs> uh, dude but I know they right they had to be thinking about that at least a little bit that would be a weird accident all right, everybody's looking at me like I'm fucking crazy. <laughs> yeah,
0: because you're spending a lot of time talking about a
1: two and a half star movie.
0: <laughs> I,
2: I also didn't what? make it to the ending, so I have nothing oh, to say. God damn it,
1: <laughs> Randy! Watch the ending. Although now I feel like I've kind of tainted it.
2: I'll er, go back. Um, I, didn't, I didn't go into this not wanting to like it. I, uh, I watched this after Lux Aeterna last night, so it was dark. It looked good on the TV. I had a had a beer in hand, and then uh, I don't know. Twenty minutes in, I was like, "Eh."
1: Well, here's the thing: if you liked it aesthetically, like if you like that like neon green uh, that like prevailed throughout this film, watch episode one of Fear Street because that first one is kind of like a hyper slasher, and it's really good. Again, that is a three part movie basically, but just watch the first one. They they really nail that like modern neon tone yeah i I honestly this is a lot like fear street so if people enjoyed that on netflix check out choose or die again i think i'm at four with it i would totally buy so stinky tuna shout out to stinky tuna uh please let us buy movies from you for some reason you're rejecting us we're true ones we only steal from can it's a new segment called randy kicks the can and uh we don't pirate anybody else but you do and you print out beautiful Blu-rays uh, from Netflix. And I want to own this one. So, please shout out Stinky Tuna. Uh, get me in. <laughs> you
3: got to fill out an application.
1: I, I'm not joking. That yeah. they'll
3: never reply to.
1: So, uh, anybody out there who likes to buy bootlegs, Stinky Tuna is a website. If you want to fill out an application so that they can vet you, I believe you have to include your Instagram, too, right? Mm-hmm. Hmm. They literally vet your social media and will reject you if they deem you unfit.
2: Cancel culture, dude. (laughs) (laughs) Alright, anything else? I mean... Any announcements?
3: I have
1: something. Oh, no. The floor is yours.
3: When you brought up Devin Sawa... Oh, shit. You know what he's in?
1: Porn. Death
3: Rider in the House of Vampires. Oh,
1: he's in the Danzig movie? Yep. Oh, Randy. Um... Next week, can we please do a kick the can segment where you find uh, the other can film, uh, Death Riders in the House of Vampires or whatever? I really want to watch it. Dude, they only screened it a couple of times, and one of them was in LA. We should have flown out. We should have <laughs> flown out and watched it. Clark's shaking his head. I still haven't seen Verotica. Oh, fuck. Me neither. Dude. All right. We got to watch Veronica, dude. There's, <laughs> there's many a nipple in that movie. All right, I'm back in. And rather watch
2: Veronica Mars. Oh, my God. <laughs> Veronica Mars? Dude. Veronica Mars. All right. I'm done. All right.
0: Uh, Thursday, Gerald Varga. Good interview. And rest in power, Gilbert Godfrey. We'll see you next week.
2: Thank you for listening to this episode of the Overlook Hour. And if you would like to hear more, please subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts